and welcome to episode 13 of this Inspire 2020 Visionary Leader chat series. I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Jeff Caslin. I know Jeff very well. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Simon. Great to see you. It's great to see you. And uh, we've worked together. I've known you for three years now. And so Jeff is former mm -hmm. general manager for Amazon Ireland. You are co-founder and principal of uh, Caslin Consulting. Uh, you're a mentor mm -hmm. to Enterprise Ireland. You advise a number of companies uh, and leaders in the whole area of realizing potential, unlocking growth. And, and I also think you're a great guy for sharing and helping others. So um, it's wonderful to have you Thank here. You. And um, so it's great so to be here. Happy to help out again. <laughs> it's great to see you. So maybe just jump in. So maybe, you know, five minutes, just a little bit of background on you um, and how you got to where you are today and, and, and how you got to doing all those wonderful things. Sure. Um, okay. Well, I'm originally from the United States. You could probably tell uh, listening to me, even though I've, uh, I live in Dublin these days. Um, yeah. uh, grew up in Indiana as a kid. Uh, that was that was that was life until I was 25. Hadn't really seen a whole lot outside of <laughs> yeah. that area. Um, I got married uh, to my my partner who's uh actually my business partner today uh we've been together for over 25 years mindy mindy and, shout out uh, yeah absolutely and uh we left indiana pretty quickly after we got married we moved to seattle um and about six months after moving there i joined a little company called amazon.com that uh, this was in like early 1999 where people were occasionally inclined to buy things like a book or yeah, uh, a, a CD or a, a VHS cassette online. Yeah, uh, I, hear, I hear Jeff Bezos is projected to be the first trillionaire, but that's another thing. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I ended up kind of stumbling into that company, not really knowing what the hell I was getting myself into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moved, moved after about six years down to San Francisco, uh, stayed in San Francisco for four years, worked in Silicon Valley, uh, still yeah. with Amazon at that point in time. Uh, then moved to Dublin, uh, Ireland, back in 2008, just a few weeks before the financial crisis. And uh, so I've been here almost 12 years now, I'm dual citizen. Yeah. Uh, Dublin and Ireland very much feels like home. Um, and uh, yeah, so co-founder, as you mentioned before, of Castledon Consulting. Um, you know, most of the work that we do is really on the people side of things. And I think, you know, we just approach it with this kind of keen eye towards like bringing humanity back into, into the equation. It's something yeah. I think that in a lot of organizations maybe uh, is a secondary or absent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, prior, prior to that, yes, as you, as you mentioned, um, uh, been with Amazon for about 17 years. I kind of started in uh, customer service, um, learned engineering on the job, ended up moving into working in infrastructure at Amazon for a number of years. Um, and then when we moved to California, it was actually, uh, I started to work on the search engine for, for Amazon uh, yeah. on the operational side of things. Um, great experience, uh, just huge learning um, mm -hmm. for <laughs> almost that entire 17 plus years. Yeah, uh, Just surrounded by some of the best, some of the brightest uh, mentors that I could possibly hope to have yeah. in a super dynamic, really fast paced, changing, innovative company yeah. that had a really unique kind of culture. And um, yeah, it was in many ways, it was a, it was kind of the means to getting us to where we're at today. I think, yeah. um, I think um, certainly taking on the, the leadership role that I took on uh, near the end of my career at Amazon to lead the, 
development center in Dublin, um, which at the time was, you know, 250, 300 people mm. back in 2013 and um, grew that over the course of about three and a half years to about 1500 yeah. people. It's still today, you know, like one of the biggest yeah. technology sites in EMEA for, for Amazon. Maybe just ask a question at this point. So I, yesterday I was sure. fortunate to interview uh, Molly Chang, um, mm -hmm. a, a really inspiring uh, coach based in New York and I think Denver. And uh, she's ex Cisco and she's, she, she, she's now come up with this process and she calls it the say it skillfully process, right? So she does very similar work to you over in the States mm -hmm. about helping leaders um, develop more of a collaborative chemistry and, and business and business owners to make the organization more human. And, and what inspired her, right? And I'm, I'm wondering if the same happened to you was her observations in the big corporates. And I'm not just calling out Cisco here, but the number of corporates she did mergers and acquisitions with, which was a lack of honest communication, a, a disconnect between humans and silos and all that stuff that we all see and feel as, you know, I've worked for big multinationals, but nobody really speaks out. Did you, did you notice that and feel that in your gut? And, it, and if you did, has that kind of helped frame your more human approach now? Um, it's definitely helped to frame the more human approach because while there was a, while there were a number of things I learned at Amazon, some of which I've taken, carried forth with me today and very much, uh, underpin how I think about certain kinds of things. There are a couple of areas where there was just, there were just clear deficits or, uh, misalignments and, mm -hmm. You know, I ended up I ended up taking off. Uh, you know, I had a, I was fortunate enough to have a sabbatical for about three months, uh, just about nine months before I finally left the company. And it was during that point in time that I really just sat down and reflected on this and yeah. really thought a lot about, okay, well, what is what is it that I've taken from this experience? Because I mean, that was the whole purpose of trying to lead the site. For me, it wasn't about you know position or authority. It was about um, I'd been part of growing something that was really on the cusp of being something just truly amazing or yeah. just falling apart. And I chose to try to do what I could to, to make the first half of that work. Yeah. Um, and, but I had to do that through, through influence. I, I didn't lack the kind of authority just from organizational structure. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it very much made me think about how do you get other people to collaborate? How do you, how do you build a strong vision that you get people yeah. uh, on board and, and behind and really get people pushing in the same direction? So, yeah. So, uh, you know, some of the other, <laughs> Some of the other aspects of Amazon's culture, I would have been as thrilled with. I mean, it's a you know, it's it, it's it's what people often make it out to be in the media. It's a big it's machine. A, I mean, I've worked for Dell and Xilinx. I mean, yeah. These are big yeah. machines, and at the end of the day, the 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 the, the C suite is there, whether we like it or not, to make sure that the shareholders are happy, which makes it Absolutely. a money making machine. That that's the reality. But uh, but yeah. I think some C suites and managers and some of the more forget that. Without humans, there is no money. So you still have to you have to balance it. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the you know that's one of the things that it's it's funny because like I say that's one of the things that Amazon's quite good at is like the systems kind of thinking and understanding yeah, yeah. how all of these different things are interconnected. Um, but yeah, that was that was just an area for me where I sort of felt um, you kind of forget that you're operating in a closed system. You don't have yeah. an infinite. I mean, you know, maybe in a sense you could, you could theoretically say you have an infinite pool of people that you can continue to draw from. Yeah. Um, 
but there's a cost associated with that. There's a cost associated with developing talent internally as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, near the end, I really, I really sort of uh, it just really stuck with me that like without the people that you have in your team, you can't do anything. You don't have a company. You yeah. don't have exactly. You have nothing, you know? So, exactly. so I think, yeah, we have to, we have to, uh, my, my, my view at least is that we have to take stock of that. Um, and if yeah. we don't, we're actually taking actions that will undermine the long-term longevity yeah. and success of the organization. Don't, 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 don't you think it's amazing that some organizations have endured so long without really with, by paying lip service to this, it's quite amazing that some companies have just not really delved into the humanity within the organization and still survived. But I don't, but it's not, it's not the model to follow. So just in terms of the work you do today. Okay. So, you know, I know you, you know, I know the sort of companies, uh, organizations you work for and the sort of leaders and you're about, you know, unlocking potential and, and help people to realize their potential and maximize growth without, you know, telling everybody how, you know, the full details of how Kazdan Consulting does this. What sort of approach would you say if a business comes to you and says, you know, you know, I, we think, you know, we if we improve some of our internal human processes, we could accelerate. How would you, how do you start and develop that process with them? Hmm. Well, I think, I mean, I think one of the first things you have to do is really try to understand what's the outcome that they're trying to achieve, you know? Yeah. Um, and is that outcome one that you, <laughs> that you personally believe that you want to yeah. support? You yeah. Um, I mean, that, that is a, that is a reality. I think of, the the nature of being in business by uh, on yourself uh, yeah. on your own is that you you can pick and choose what kind of challenges you want to get involved with what types yeah. of things you want to help drive forward so um so but always you know it always starts there just trying to understand the outcome um assuming yeah. that we're aligned with it then it's you know trying to understand the reality of where people are at now yeah um the options that they see before them sometimes helping them to stretch their own thinking to consider yeah. other options that maybe they don't they don't think of um you know a lot of our i think a lot of our work and a lot of the value we probably bring to to most of our clients is just it's asking questions you know it's getting yeah, people yeah. to consider things that they haven't thought of before yeah that could actually have an impact and yeah. you know from there it's it's starting to see you know the connection between all of these things what are what are the different uh, places where there's a lever that we can pull that, yeah. uh, you know, really puts this into, into motion or attaches it to some, uh, activity of, of meaning within the business. Yeah. It's essentially embedding culture within how you operate and yeah. making sure that, you know, the, the values that you're talking about, the things that you're espousing as a leadership team that you want to be or become, uh, that you're doing those things that you're living them. Yeah. And, um, and being able to create enough of a dialogue within the organization to understand maybe what you're missing from the balcony that you set on, as opposed to, you know, somebody who's down in the, you know, the front row in the trenches yeah. um, and to be able to leverage other people's like passion and ideas as well. You know, we, yeah. you know, leaders don't have all the answers. Generally, uh, 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 no, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the, the whole area of vulnerability is really interesting. I've spoken to, 
you know, some amazing leaders during this series. And, and one of them was Eduardo Braseno, who's co-founder of Growth Mindset in California. And Carol Dweck, the co-founder, wrote The Million Seller Mindset. And I was blown away. You know, this is a powerful man running an amazing company, education company in the States. And at the end of the interview, and he won't mind me saying this, he said to me, how did I come across? And I, initially I thought, why is the expert in mindset telling me? But then it made sense because if you have a growth mindset, you're always looking for improvement, you know? So, you know, he was practicing what he preaches, you know, if you have a fixed mindset, you want to be told you're the best because that's what you're aspiring to. And you're not really that open to going any further. Right. So if you have a fixed mm -hmm. mindset yeah. and then what next day you're not, you're told you're not the best, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. do you, do you find this with, um, do you find there are any differences in companies or in geographical approaches? Do you think Irish companies are more growth mindset orientated or more fixed mindset or what, what patterns do you see when you work with clients? Um, you, you kind of asked me a few questions there. I, I see, you know, I, I, I definitely see some differences um, between you know, a, a lot of organizations that I work with, I see, yeah. you know, one of the, one of the things that's, that's kind of, that I think is kind of, that's been sort of interesting for me in my own personal experiences, having left Amazon, I've, I've worked with a couple of fairly successful European startups who yeah. have either been very strongly inspired by Amazon in terms of how they've structured themselves and in terms of how they operate, yeah. uh, in terms of how, even how they approach culture or they have a fairly large contingency of former Amazonians that actually work there, like some of my <laughs> former colleagues, you know? Yeah. And, and one, of the th one of the things that's, that's been interesting, and I'm not sure I'm necessarily answering the question that you, that you asked me, but I remember one of the things that, um, one, of the, one of the revelations I've really had in, in the last couple of months is, is like one of these companies that I work in uh, that I do some work with is called Klarna. They're, uh, they're yeah. a, a bank and a payments provider in, based in Sweden. Yeah. Um, huge influence from Amazon, very different in terms of how they operate. They're, at Amazon, you know, we, we would have come up with a long kind of plan for what we were going to do for the long term. Yeah. We'd had a really good sense of what the, the, the measures of success were going to be, um, how we were going to approach things, you know, really well kind of thought out. Yeah. Um, does a little bit of that, but they have a little bit more of a tendency towards like, let's just go do something and see what happens and then kind of learn from it and yeah. then iterate and do something different. And like we did that at Amazon, but in a slightly different way. But one of the ways I see it manifest it's, itself oddly for me is like when I'm writing documents that I know are gonna go before a fairly large uh, audience of very influential people, when I would do that at Amazon, I would spend an inordinate amount of time on it because if you got to the end and it didn't really come out well, yeah, yeah. you got a bit of a lashing out of it, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't always productive. Um, yeah. there, were, there were definitely things you could learn, uh, yeah. that, you know, you'd be asked to go back and, and redo. Yeah. I think culturally though, in this organization, there's a little bit more of a mindset of like, well, we kind of don't expect that you're going to get perfect this first go around. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's normal that you, you know, you miss some things. So like, that's yeah. okay. Like just go back and do it. Yeah. But it's, you know, for me, it's been like a, a mental shift I've had to make in terms yeah, of like yeah. what my normal operating kind of system is to like yeah. re retrain myself. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's kind of fun as well because you get to see some of the good things that you can take out of all these different types of organizations in terms of how they operate and, yeah. and not only like embody them myself, but like share some of that thinking with my clients as well and, yeah. and, and help them maybe, uh, 
challenge like just the way that they they go about doing things to to get to a place that's that's yeah. more constructive and less destructive um, that's, that's, because, that's you know, really that, in, that's really interesting because uh, you know uh, like you i started working with well i started working with the big five law firms in the uk then ireland then a couple of big american multinationals then another big american multinational in australia so i come from that very regimented linear thinking process driven if it's not in the information bible within the company then you're going off parameter mm -hmm. then i jumped off my cliff uh seven years ago in australia and started my own business and invested in a couple of small businesses and that was the complete opposite mm -hmm. it was seat of the pants starting businesses without even a business plan and then seeing how well you do before the money runs out and mm -hmm. but it's interesting that <laughs> i wonder is there a way of combining the two? How many big companies bring back that nimble, small thinking internally? You know, I mean, Apple, to an extent, yeah. did that in 1999 when they were struggling and they gave a group of engineers six months and they eventually came up with the iPod. But how many comp big companies really are prepared to give breathing space for innovation and mistakes? Do, do you see that or... Do you never see it or sometimes see it or do you get frustrated because you don't see it? <laughs> all Probably of all the, all the above, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I think that, um, you know, companies that uh, I think continue to rely on a more hierarchical model of, you know, command and control as opposed to, um, you know, a, a more of a distributed system where people are, are granted autonomy and ownership uh, over their problem space to, you know, to, to really understand it, to own it and, and do everything they can. And yeah. um, I think I, I see those companies do better on one hand because they're more yeah. nimble, they're more agile. Yeah. The thing that often I think maybe you find in those organizations that perhaps is less favorable is that there's a, when you, when you kind of operate in almost that siloed sort of sense, there's a lot of reinvention that can kind of happen. Um, there is. There's a lot of over, overlap, duplication, isn't there? And yeah, miscommunication. Yeah, yeah we'd, we'd had that at Amazon quite a bit until AWS became a much more yeah. robust uh, set of services. Uh, you know, every, every team was kind of solving problems their own certain way until eventually it was like, use this common set of things. And that, yeah. and I think, and, and interestingly enough, that was a huge accelerator, I think, for Amazon in many ways. And I see that in some of the other companies I work with where they've, they've gotten from that point of, we're growing, we're offering out how we do things on our own. And, and you get to a point where, okay, there's some economy of scale that can be realized here if we make some investments in the right places that will solve you know, 70, 80% of the, the challenges that most of the teams have. Yeah. And then the ones that really need to do something unique, they can, they can go off and do that. Um, but, uh, but you know, there's also a challenge, I think, on the communication side of things. Um, if, you, if you're that siloed, how do, you, how do you make sure that all the people are kind of reading off the right hymn sheet at the same yeah. time and that's that can be a real challenge to solve um i yeah. you know and, i'm not yeah. sure the the best approach is a super heavy-handed uh no it's uh, a balance process division or whatever yeah. but yeah yeah that's the interesting about think, companies think, yeah companies are living well, very, organisms and they're very much reflective of the people that exist yeah. within them so Absolutely. you know that that's i mean you know i think that's one of the things that that's made Amazon quite so successful is that it's kind of that mindset that Bezos has, you know, um, he's seeing opportunity everywhere. He's thinking of how, how can we become 
as a company a utility in in yeah. every person in every aspect of a person's life yeah. and and he's structured things in terms of how much control he has over the company as well to make sure yeah. that you know he's playing a completely different game than everybody else mm. they're they're making bets on a 5 to 10 year kind of timeline where most companies are operating month to month quarter to quarter yeah um and i think that that you know that only that not only leads to different thinking but i think if you think about what's happening in the world right now mm. it's the kind of thing that can help to insulate you against some of the shocks of something like covid-19 yeah. you know if, if you're if, if you're not thinking uh, a little bit further ahead like yeah I, I, I was I was I was going to say that. So I was lucky to write. I wrote an article for Irish Tech News a couple of weeks ago on, and I did a lot of research for it, which which was on can you can you really say that human collaboration, humans collaborate in a social context, will necessarily coalesce with collaborative technology? Can you really say that it's inevitable, or will there always be a slight trade off? And there is no answer, right? Nobody really knows. But mm. but, th but this whole this whole crisis. Uh, I'll use the word crisis, has really focused people's minds um, for better or worse. And there's a huge amount of debate. We're probably almost over the debate as to whether we're ever going to go back to the way we were, as to whether technology has taken over. Um, and there's, yes, pros and cons for both of these. But what, what do you see in terms of the clients you work with or potential clients in terms of um, how they can use this change period to pivot for the better going forward i mean what, what 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 would you advise them to do going forward yeah like uh it's a great question that's a big it's one. a big question um, <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean it's like it's an unprecedented time that we're dealing with i know um in terms of you know you mentioned the united states when when we first got on the call before we yeah. started recording obviously there's a a lot of chaos happening in the country right now. Mm. Um, the inequities, the short-sightedness, not only within businesses, but within governments as well. Yeah. Um, that over-indexed kind of focus that we have sometimes on profit and growth. Yeah. Um, like all of this stuff has like been laid bare as a result of this pandemic. And these are yeah. all like stark realities. I think we, we, we can't really ignore. Exactly. Um, and I think for those, you know, I think one of the things that, that, I've been thinking about a lot and that I, I certainly see a lot of our clients talking about is like these systems of like control, these traditional methods of or approaches to work, like maybe it's just don't really make sense anymore. You know, like exactly. large offices, a shitty commute, uh, yeah. prescriptive working hours. Like um, we're, I think we're all starting to realize now these are choices that we have made. These are things that we have uh, decided to uh yeah. align ourselves with or conform to and they're not really the real they're not the reality of how things must be and i think yeah. that you know i think i think a lot of people maybe are even questioning some of the fundamental like economic belief system that we live within you know like in many ways and and this sounds a little funny since i know we both kind of do work talking about things related to growth yeah um but there is a fallacy of infinite growth that most of yep. us believe in there's a there's a woman by the name of kate roberth who i would highly recommend anyone to check out a concept called donut economics you know yep. it's this notion that we live within a closed system both within in terms of this planet and what this planet can yep. sustain and can take and what we as as people in a society can can as well 
Um, and we also live under the, the other fallacies of like truly free markets and things like this. I mean, let's yeah. face it, like corporate socialism is really uh, what exists in, in many countries. And I think if we're, you know, if we're really thinking about transformation, about what a better future could be, like, I think we have to remember um, that notion of being in a closed system and we have to be able to balance what we do with the rest of that system. Like it, yep. it, it, it what you're doing really tr is, is it truly sustainable all the way up and down the chain, you know, yeah. not just in terms of what happens in your office, but your suppliers and further downstream of that and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think a lot of, a lot of people really, you know, thinking on a longer timeline, uh, a very good exercise and kind of yeah. planning for the future that a lot of people probably don't do. We, you know, we're yeah. as humans, we're kind of hardwired for survival in many ways. And like reflection is not something that a lot of us make time and, uh, and space for, but that is, I think one of the most important things that I agree, uh, especially that we, you know, we have to be able to, to, to make space for that in our lives. Otherwise, how do you expect to change? How are you going to do anything differently? I was going to say that, that, that for me, that's the key point. So, you know, we both do work around growth and I've reflected hugely these last, particularly these last 12 weeks. And, you know, I do work around business growth, leadership growth, a bit of brand growth. But the fourth area for me was personal or mindset growth. And that was the area that I kind of had left behind until recently, but it's dawning on me more and more that, you know, you're right. There is an, in, there, there is not an infinite external growth system, Like right? We're all constrained by the ozone layer and planet earth and the resources. Mm -hmm. But I think one area of growth we've kind of neglected as humankind is the inner growth. That's almost boundless. That's almost endless. Mm -hmm. And I think this time of reflection was very, very untapped, you know, very untapped. Mm -hmm. And I think this mm -hmm. time of reflection for me personally, I've really, use this to reflect on who I am, what I want to do, what I don't want to do. And I think being an optimist, I think a lot of people, a lot of optimists and pragmatists and positive people, I can see that they're reflecting a lot more. And I think those people with the more fixed mindset, we won't mention political leaders, um, don't really have that capacity. I don't, I, I think they just don't have the capacity to reflect internally. I think they're just constantly thinking external growth. So I think that as a subject is very interesting, don't you think? It's, the internal growth is boundless almost. Absolutely. Like, um, yeah, I think you're very right. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I certainly don't want to offend or label anyone, but I think that some of those leaders are, are stuck at a stage of human development that is like just significantly... Yeah, uh, you know, kind of further down down the path. Than, yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, people people who have, um, especially our leaders that we have who who recognize this notion that, you know, there's something that we can all get out of this. It's not yeah. just something for the the top one percent to be rewarded from. Yeah, um, I mean that's you know, I think that's part of what's gotten us to where we're at today. And I think yeah. if, if I'm, you know, if I put my optimist hat on for a while, despite the fact that, you know, watching what I've seen in the United States in the last week, um, which I mean, really breaks my heart, you know, I mm. mean, this is, these are people who, you know, 
deserve the same basic fundamental human rights as everybody else and this is why is this a hard conversation to have i know Uh, but um Sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought of where, of where I was going there. But yeah, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. Sorry, I remember now. I'm, I'm optimistic because I think one thing that's different maybe about the situation that we have right now compared to, say, five, five years ago or so when Black Lives yeah. Matter uh, was really kind of emerged into the, the, the social discourse in the United States and yeah. people like Colin Kaepernick were, you know, taking a lot of flack for kneeling yeah. during the national anthem, trying to make uh, a very peaceful, calm statement on yeah. what is a narrative that we're continuing to see the ramifications yeah. of today. Like the thing that's different now is that I think this whole pandemic situation, I think has maybe laid things a little barer than they may have been before. Yeah. You know, if you think back to, to that situation, uh, five, five, six years ago, you know, yep. economic prosperity for many people still probably going pretty well. Yeah. Uh, pretty hard to say anybody's really doing all that great right now. So aside from yep. maybe a, a few people really at the very, very top who are, yep. are finding ways still to, to capitalize on the, yep. on the catastrophe. But um, yeah. I think it, right. it makes it, it makes it harder, I think, to, to come back from some of these kinds of things. And, and it's, it's the same in the, in the workplace. It's like, it you is. know, one of, one of, our clients says uh, they've in the past had a uh, an absolute like policy against working from home. Their company would not exist now if they couldn't work from home. Yeah. And the logic and the reasoning that may have supported that argument back then doesn't really support it now. These are, these no. are, you know, these are kind of these like um, one way sort of doors that we can't come back through. I, I agree. I, I call it a circuit breaker and you know, you know, people have been sitting in traffic, two hours each way, or even God forbid, three hours each way, five days a week. I think a lot of these people, and I've been there, right, should be, and I hope do increasingly say, what, why, why should I go back to that? Like, why? What, what's the point? What's the point? You know? Um, yeah. So I think, I think you're right. And I, you know, just wrapping up, I think a lot has been stripped bare by the confluence of what's happened at this time. I also think conversely, thank God, this has happened now, right? Particularly the pandemic during a period that we have technologies like this. Imagine if this had happened 15 years ago. Imagine, yeah. you know, so, we, so I'd like to finish, to. <laughs> you know, I'd like to finish optimistically because, you know, yeah. humankind does have an amazing way to wriggle through disasters and, and periods like this. And, and I, and I think mm-hmm. we will, right? We will. Okay. Um, so if you were going to, just to conclude, if you were going to whisper two or three words of wisdom or advice or just something calming to an aspiring leader of, say, uh, a medium-sized Irish business looking to uh, survive and then thrive after this, what two or three things would you say to them? Uh, you know, going through what we're going through right now, I think that, um, Empathy and compassion are just two like non-negotiables that you just have to bring to the table. Yeah. Um, and and there are probably moments right now where you have to be able to listen more than even talk. You know, um, I think people are, you know, people are having to adapt to something they haven't really had to deal with before. Maybe they maybe they've had a taste of it. You know. Yeah. Um, we Mindy and I have been lucky enough to to work 
remotely quite a bit for over the last you know 10 12 years yeah so it's not completely foreign to us like it might be for some people yeah um but it's hard you know if you're an extrovert who gets a lot of your energy from being around people and yes. saying twenty five thousand words a day and now you're stuck in a 400 square foot or 40 square yeah. meter apartment and you have no contact with people other than through the screen um it's it's it can be uh, crushing in many ways yes. so i think you have to be empathetic uh you have to bring compassion and i think um I guess the other thing that maybe I would I would just say is um, I, th I thought about this before and you kind of asked me a slightly different question, <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyways because I do think it's a yeah. I think it's a positive uh, thing to end on, um, and it and it also I think maybe touches on you know we said we wouldn't talk too much about politics but yeah it maybe gives a a little bit of lip service to it without totally going down that path which is that like great leaders unite rather than divide. Yeah, yeah, and and they also contextualize change um, that might stand to divide us otherwise, and um, yeah, so yeah, so um, find correct. some better role models than what you're seeing on television right now, no, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 focus on those things that you know really uh, bring us all together because you know I think to be successful um, through the through this situation or even just in the old normal of what business was like. The yeah. more that you have people uh, operating from a place of mutual understanding, meeting each other's needs, and all pushing in the right direction yeah. uh, for that shared objective that you have, the easier everything is going to be for you. Um, That's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. No, I think I think I'll I'll finish there. You know, great leaders unite. I think is a really way of thinking about it. And. Jeff, I really enjoyed that. We, this, I think this is our long, the longest chat I've had, so I could have spoken for a long, long time. So <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And, and thanks for your time. And, uh, My pleasure. And, and your wisdom as well. Thanks very much. Happy, to, happy to do it, Simon. Always good to see you. So, and uh, you. Okay. Best of luck. Thanks. Jeff, Bye. You too. Bye.